0: Welcome to the Choose Love Podcast. My name is Scarlett Lewis and I'm the founder of the Jesse Lewis Choose Love Movement. Our mission is to offer essential life skills and tools that help us connect in healthy and meaningful ways to help us manage our emotions, to grow through difficulties and challenges we face in life, to make responsible decisions and more. We're not born with these life skills, but we can learn them at any age, and they provide a direct path to finding meaning and purpose in our lives and to flourishing. The Choose Love movement is now in over 10,000 schools, homes, and communities across the country and in over 100 countries. Today, we have a very, very special guest, Tony Ferriolo, who is... In- hey. Yay! <laughs> I got it who inspires people to live the life they always imagined, live the life they were born to. He is a motivating and thought-provoking trainer, speaker, and advocate for transgender youth across the country and world. His story is featured in a documentary called A Self-Made Man, about his own personal story of finding his true self. To know Tony is to love Tony. (laughs) (laughs) He truly lives his life in what we call, what we call at Choose Love, compassion in action, identifying with another's pain and, and discomfort and need and then helping ease that pain. I have many friends, actually, with kids that are struggling with their identities. I know you, you've you actually been there for them, Tony. So I want to mm. just start off by thanking you for everything
1: that you do. It's my honor, actually, to do that.
0: I, I actually know what you mean when you say that. Um, but I, I really and I appreciate that even more. Thank you for being here, Tony.
1: Oh, this is awesome! I was really looking forward to this, so I'm glad I, I, you and I are are doing this and having this conversation. Can you share your story for our listeners? Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I'm I'm a transgender man who uh, transitioned pretty late in life. I I realized I was trans around 39, um, but what happened to me growing up was I was always misunderstood, um, and I I came from a background that was pretty uh abusive. Not, you know, just my my parents for some reason uh weren't really great parents. They they abused all of us but but typically it was more emotional abuse than anything else. Um but at the same time that was happening to me and and you'll know I think you already know this about me Scarlett that I'm very transparent because I feel it's really important to just be Present for people, especially people who are listening to this uh, podcast that might be struggling themselves. So, um, for years of my life, I was sexually abused by a neighbor. Uh, I was being verbally abused by my parents, bullied at school. And um, I started uh, self harming at a very young age. I had to be about 11 uh, years old. And all this stuff was happening to me. But even through that and gender identity, um, not even knowing cause back then nobody said transgender. So I, I knew that I wasn't a girl. Um, and it was a a space and it was a time in my life where I was never in the moment. Like I was surviving life at a very young age. So, and my way of surviving was I was always like saying, I, I can't wait for my life to get better. I can't wait for my life to get better. And I remember one specific day that I was in, my parents had owned a home and we were surrounded by woods. Like we owned an acre and a half of, of land, but majority of it was woods. And I was in the woods um, sitting against a tree and I was, I was cutting myself. And, and I remember just visually seeing my life better. Like there was always this little light of hope that, everything was gonna be okay. I left home at an early age. Uh, For years, I identified as a lesbian. Uh, I was sexually attracted and romantically attracted to women. Um, People were saying I was a woman, so I fit into that community. Uh, That community, I can tell you, saved my life because at least I felt like I belonged somewhere, even though it still wasn't a perfect fit. I started, I'm a singer-songwriter. A lot of people don't know that about me. Uh, and I started uh, a lesbian band, and the lead singer, Gene Dolan, um, really was the person. And I get really emotional. when I talk about this. She seen me for who I was, and I remember her saying to me, "You know, Tony, just be, just be Tony." Uh, and she brought over a video called "Gender Knots," and it's a it's a doc, it was a doc old documentary about uh, transition. And there was these three guys walking on the beach. And one guy unbuttoned his shirt, and he said, "Hey, check it out! I just had my chest surgery." And that moment, I remember sitting back in my my chair, like really, really, like blew me back. I was like, "Oh my god, I'm trans! I'm trans!" And in a millisecond, everything made sense. I celebrated. Um, I then started thinking about what the reality of being trans would be for me. I I wasn't happy. Um, as, as a lesbian, my life wasn't happy. Every night, I made a decision whether I was going to live the next day or not. Mm. It it was very, very hard uh, to live in a world where I still wasn't being accepted. I would let us put it this way: when I told everybody I was transitioning, nobody was surprised. Okay, I, I presented very male, <laughs> and I was hoping one person would be like, "Oh my God, you're trans!" Not one, not one. And so I didn't knock anybody's socks off, but I knew I knew that I wouldn't have it easy. I didn't know any trans people personally. The only thing I knew about trans people is that they were um, being murdered or, or or they were being, like, um, killed or definitely thrown out of their homes and, and, and homeless. So I went to a beach, and this is in the documentary, and I, I explained in the documentary. I went to the beach to end my life one day because mm. I couldn't imagine being miserable anymore. I, I just could not see being trans and being happy being in the same sentence so i was at the beach and i was really crying like uncontrollably because i didn't want to die but i didn't know any other way out and something inside of me very deep inside of me said create yourself and i remember hearing it i was like what create yourself tony create yourself And I realized at that moment that I had the power to create the person I I needed to be, the person I always wanted to be, imagined to be. And I took really small baby steps. Again, I didn't know there wasn't anybody for me to call to say, hey, listen, I know you did this. I need to do this. Help me. Um, So I would support from a few friends. I had my medical transition and my chest surgery first, which was really a moment in my life that shifted me. It was a life-changing moment and a life-saving moment when I was able to look in the mirror the first time and see a body that matched my brain. It's powerful. It was so powerful that on the ride home from the hospital, I remember uh, telling um, my girlfriend at the time that I was going to start a foundation for people that couldn't afford this type type of surgery, and the feeling the feeling I felt should not be linked to money. So I I always I thought about that almost every day. I thought about this foundation, thought about this foundation, and I was like kind of afraid to do it myself. And then in two thousand seven, I met Drew Leviser, who's who became my best friend. But Drew and I co founded the Jim Collins Foundation. Jim Collins Foundation funds surgeries for the trans community for people who don't, fi- who financially can't afford it, people in shelters, um, people of color who typically are in those situations more so than than people who are not of color. And since 2008, I believe we funded close to 40 surgeries around the country. Um, it's life saving work. But what I also realized, Scarlett, was that when I first transitioned, if I didn't know any trans people, then the kids of the community didn't know any trans people either. So I I, I said, you know what, I'm going to start a support group, uh, for trans teens only because there's lesbian, gay, bisexual is a, is your sexual orientation, trans and non-binary is your gender identity, two totally different things. What they were doing in New Haven, which was great, but they were they were having LGBT youth groups, lesbian, gay, bisexual and trans. And the lesbian, gays and bisexuals couldn't understand the trans kids and they were kind of making fun of them. So I brought them all in. First group, one, two kids showed up. Second, third, fourth group, nobody showed up. Fifth group, one kid showed up. I didn't give up, though. It wasn't about the numbers for me. It was about if one kid showed up then that one kid needed me at that moment. That was in 2008. So fast forward 12 years later, we're still doing the groups. We've helped over a thousand families uh, from that teen group, a parent support group uh, spawned off and an art group for kids that are 12 and under. COVID has put a little damper on the art group, but we're still having the the parents and, and the teen groups. What is the participation now? Well we do zoom we haven't we didn't miss the meeting a lot we, we had the groups last Saturday uh, there's about 15 kids on uh, uh, young humans as I like to call them on the teen group and the parent group is getting so big that they're probably gonna have two groups we, we hold the groups every three weeks it just works okay um, I've been doing that for forever the I asked the group members you know everybody says to me how how is your group so successful for so long? I mean, wow. And I said, because they're not my groups, right? Mm. (laughs) They're their group and I'm just a facilitator. So we go by what they need. So anyway, I just got an email from the facilitator of the parent group saying, you know, I probably need to do the parent group twice a month now because there's so many new parents. What Zoom is doing and this COVID uh, crisis is doing is it it opens our groups up to people throughout the country because we used to physically meet in the space. Now with Zoom, we can help people in In states that don't have any protections, Hulu carried a TV show that I did for AE and E called Transitioning. It's a three um ser- series, three episode miniseries. When Covid hit, no, everybody was watching Hulu, and this TV show blew up. So I was getting calls from trans people and and parents all over the country. And I still do. And I take them I take you know, the fifteen minutes to jump on a zoom call with them and ho- hopefully direct them. Um, to like resources in their area. And, and I know you know this feeling, but when you see someone go from hopelessness to hopefulness, it is a life-saving moment for them, but a life-changing moment for you.
0: Absolutely. And you, you are the real deal, Tony, because I was talking to uh, a dear friend of mine and I was telling her that I had met you and she goes, oh yeah, we know Tony. He's worked with us. And I was like, what? Oh my Are you serious? Uh And she's in California. So it's yeah. amazing. And you would helped them. You had been involved in, in their really in their darkest moments. And that's yeah. really amazing.
1: Yeah. That's when they need you the most. Right. You know, you know, pre COVID, you know, there's a very high suicide attempt rate be- within the uh, trans and non-binary uh, youth community um the it's like it's an average of about 51 percent have in in recent surveys you know of over like i think it's over like four thousand five five thousand um people surveyed that 51 percent have attempted suicide at least once in their lives um, I know this to be true. A lot of people can't believe that. They're so like, what do you mean? I said, Well, I know this to be true because I was up at I'm up at psych hospitals all the time, sitting with with little ones. And mm. and some of the- sometimes they're as young as nine, mm. you know, eight, nine years old. So what do you say to a 13-year-old who says to you, I just don't want to live anymore? <sighs> I had to face that the first time uh, and this is in my my second uh, first, second book. I talk about the time to- the first time a parent reached out to me and said, Hey, my kid is in the hospital. Do you go to hospitals to see kids, Tony? And I'm going to tell you something. I'll never forget the, the tone in this mother's voice. She was shaky. She was nervous. She was about to cry. She was fearful of what was going to happen to her kid. <sighs> and her kid wasn't in this hospital because they were trans. This kid was in the hospital because nobody around them believed that they were trans. And they didn't, they didn't acknowledge him. So I went in. And this was the first time I was ever. The only time I was ever in a psych hospital was when I was a patient. And this hospital was a hospital that I was a patient in. So I had to take a really deep breath. And I was buzzed into the ward. And I remember him coming into the room. And when every time they see me, they smile. And which is, I get emotional. It's, it's overwhelming sometimes. Just my presence can bring um, calmness. And I remember when I was on the beach that day. And I started thinking about who I wanted to be. One, one of the things I said was, I wanted my energy to be so kind because I wasn't kind pre-transition I was angry I was really really angry and a lot of people can't believe that I was somebody who was really a a mean person took my my fear and my anger on a lot of people but I wanted to be a person that just by me standing in front of you my energy made you smile Mm. and there I was sitting in this psych hospital this kid walks into the room he smiles and 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 he I said what's going on man what's going on And he says, I I just don't want to live anymore. And if they think they're going to stop me from bringing me in here, they're wrong. Mm -hmm. So I just said to him, well, I want you to live. I love you. And I've been here. It might not be the same exact journey, but I've sat in the seat. Yeah, but I cut myself. I said, so did I. Mm -hmm. What? What Tony? I said, Yeah, dude. Don't freaking, no shame on that. Mm. No shame. We shame, we shame people who who are who are doing self-harm. We shame them and we shouldn't be, we should be supporting them because they're surviving. It's a way to survive. Yeah, what's the alternative, you know? So knowing how just my presence there really shifted this kid and 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 we we saved him between his parents and you know sometimes the parents don't go on get on board until the kid has a suicide attempt and I, I always beg parents please don't don't be that parent don't be the first person who bullies your kid you know just affirm them ask them how you can help them if you don't understand it reach out to people you know get support yourself being trans or non-binary is not a disability and it's certainly not a death sentence.
0: I know my, my friends who have kids that are trying to figure things out, they're so supportive of them. They're, Mm. it's like they're with them on this journey and they're trying to figure it out with them. And, and I, I love that. And I know that that's not always the case.
1: And you know what? This is when unconditional love as a parent is challenged. I always say that. Yeah. And for kids that come out to their parents and their parents aren't on board and I have a conversation with them, hey, listen, I'm told I'm charming. I don't know <laughs> how true that is. But um, I always say to the parents, listen, congratulations, you you know, good for you. And they're like, what? Well, you, you raised a, a human that is courageous enough to say this is who I am when they know how trans people are treated and how non-binary people are treated, but you raise them so that they have the courage and that they trust you enough to tell you good for you. And when I say that a lot of times the parents are like, Oh, wait a minute. Why am I not supporting this kid? You know, because the fact of the matter is, and I try to remind parents who moms, moms who have carried their children, you know, what did you say when uh, you were pregnant with them? And somebody said, you know, well, what are you going to have, boy or girl? 90% of the time, the mother will say, oh, I didn't care as long as it was healthy. Mm-hmm. Well, then why do you why do you care now? Why do you care now? The reason why is because sometimes parents, when a child is born, they kind of start holding this kid to their agenda and they plan their life out, right? Mm-hmm you know it's just something that, that parents do so i encourage parents to just be in the moment with their children we know that this saves them when you acknowledge your children listen if if parents are supportive even if they're not totally supportive if they're just okay cool you want to you want to be this person you are this person i'm going to accept it that su- 51% of suicide rate drops to 37%
0: My uncle said, he had an equation for happiness. He says, happiness equals life minus expectations. There you go.
1: Mm, There you go. (laughs) Thank you, uncle. That's brilliant. It's the truth. It's the truth. You know, you
0: talk a lot about courage, Tony. And courage is part of our formula for choosing love. We started out with compassion and action. Um, You have shown such tremendous courage. Like, I, I really can't even conceive of having being being somebody that you're not presenting as and then having to live like that you said that you didn't realize until you were 39 but with and you were um in a documentary called a self-made man and the picture for that documentary is uh, maybe when you must be like three
1: or four years old Yeah. So check this out. So I, when I was, when I was, uh, young, young, like four or five, I remember telling my mother, I was a boy and she said, no, you're not. So I, I through my whole life knew that I wasn't female. I didn't know what I was because there was no verbiage around it. You know, then as I got older, you know, I, I started learning about it. And then that night it was like, Oh my God, this is who I am. Um, but that, so here's a really cool thing about the movie poster. The movie poster was designed by a father of a trans kid. Isn't that crazy? Yes. And, and, and when my mother, my mother actually cried when she seen wow. um, That tear in the middle was po- so powerful. I was, sh- I was like, wow, this is amazing. So yeah, I was, ri- I was really young, that, that um, picture of me prior um, to transition. And, and you knew that there was something, but you, you
0: didn't have a label for it until you were 39 and you struggled, you struggled, you said yeah. you were angry and, and then you were off putting that pain onto other people.
1: Yeah. 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 That's what happens. You know, anger, anger is a fueled emotion, as you know, it's fueled by uh, fear, um, sadness, and sometimes frustration. I was always in the state of fear. You know, now here I am. Fast forward um, years later, I I was sitting here talking. I have a wellness coach I'm working with, which I'm because I'm a life coach, so I always hire coaches. But um, and I said to Tommy, I said, you know, Tommy, I said, here's something really weird, man. Like, uh, here I am. I have everything I've ever wanted in life. I have. I mean, I was I was at one time sofa surfing. I was homeless, and I own this. I just bought this beautiful home uh, less than a year ago. Um, I, I'm going to be starting a new, new career, uh, to, after the first of the year, which I could work remotely. It's amazing. And I can talk more about that at, this, at a later date. The press release didn't go out yet, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. And happiness to me is scary still because when you, when you, the majority of my life, I've lived in fear. The majority of my life, I've been, um, angry. The majority of my life, I was surviving. Right. So now I have to turn around and always remind myself through mindfulness that everything I have, I've worked for and I deserve and it's not going to be taken away. You know, and it's it's, I I have to practice that every day, every day, reminding myself when I start getting like, oh, my God, am I going to lose everything? Mm. Going back, slipping
0: back into that fear.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: I talk about that, too, because after Jesse's murder, uh, I realized I had this moment on on the couch where, and, and this was days afterwards, where I felt this incredible feeling. <laughs> I was like, mm. "Wait a minute, what is going on here?" And I yes. realized for the first time in my life that I was completely without fear, and it was the most incredible feeling, even though my, my, my son had just been murdered. It was like, now I have nothing to fear. As a parent, you fear your, for your child's safety. Well, that was taken from me. So now I don't really have anything Mm -hmm. to fear. It was, it was incredible. And you do have to relearn how to live your life without fear. It's, it's different.
1: (laughs) Yes. It's different. And even though like, Sometimes happiness is really uncomfortable for somebody who hasn't been happy most of their life. And it's normal. Like when I'm working with people, I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Don't worry. Like so many times people judge our emotions. You know, I did, I did this, um, a fr- friend of mine, two, my, Drew Leviser, who I said was the co-founder, you know, um, his stepson, um, Rebecca, his, his fiance's son, um, about five years ago was murdered. Um, brutally by the M16 yeah. well, some the gang, okay, uh, horrible. He was in the wrong place at the wrong time. People like kind of were, were, I was hearing about people almost judging how long it's taking Rebecca to process this. I was, couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. So during the the beginning of this pandemic, when every, all this grief was all all around mm-hmm. us, you know, I'm an, I'm an artist and, and I do abstract art and I did this piece about grief because even when I grieve the loss of my last relationship, people will say to me, you're not over that mm-hmm. yet. You know, I, I, and, and it really started bothering me how people put a timeline on other people's grieving. Listen, sometimes there, sometimes things can't be, you know, oh, yeah, OK, I'm done grieving. There's a new normal in life that has to, has to be a process. And it's the person who's processing it. It's timeline. Nobody else's you know what I mean?
0: Absolutely. And, and uh, I, you, you, you talked about art and I'm, I actually have two books that you sent me right in front of me, um, yeah. artistic expressions of transgender youth and then yep. volume two. And these are absolutely amazing how kids can express themselves through art and when yeah. maybe they might not be able to
1: put it into words. Yeah. I mean, adults too. I mean, you know, it's funny uh, the, the the reason why that book came to be, and I, I believe it's, it's talked about in volume two is that one day in, in my little art group, when I was facilitating it, um, it got so big that I, I have somebody else doing it. Um, but anyway, uh, this little six-year-old who's typically very happy came into the group, not happy. And I said to her, you know, what's going on? And, and she says, I'm, I'm always sad when I can't be who I know I am. It sucks the life out of me, Tony. That's six years old. So I said, I said, how many of us have been sad? I always, when, when, it's, even in the teen group, when somebody says, this is how I feel, I always ask the group, raise your hand if you've ever felt this way. People need to see that other people have felt that way. It's just, it's a way. And then you can see that, that kid say, oh, wow, like I'm not alone in this, you know? But anyway, so I asked all the kids to draw what what makes them sad. And I gave them all a piece of paper and I said to them, um, write on the back of the paper what your drawing means. And as soon as I said that, I knew this was a way to um, help people grasp the struggle that trans youth go through and non-binary kiddos go through. Um, There was kids so young in that group that I had to write it for them because they they didn't know how to write yet. But anyway, uh, I used this these images when I'm training, um, hospitals, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. schools, um, corporations. I'm, I just did a keynote for the Hartford last night and I used, uh, two of the three of the ones from the third book. That's that I'm going to be, um, I'm working on now. Uh, and the first question is, how does it feel to be misgendered? Uh, because using the wrong pronoun, um, is horrible. And I just was on Facebook and Jazz's mother, Jeanette jet from, I am jazz mm-hmm. the TV show. I know the family and Jeanette, um, wrote, typed out something that said, you know, using the right pronoun is suicide prevention. And she is absolutely right. Very strong words, but it is the truth. When the only thing some of these kids have control over, the only thing is call me Tony and call me he, right? They don't have control of what their bodies are doing. They don't have control over medical decisions or people don't un- are not understanding them. If we give them that we are, in, we are, we are, we are, seeing them we are hearing them and we're acknowledging their being it's going to save them
0: i i actually can understand that and then reading this book i i I just am going to read a couple of them um yeah this was from a 16 year old body dysmorphia is like not recognizing yourself in mirrors not having control over your body feeling like you're presenting yourself to the world all wrong And this is Mm. age 15 being branded on your forehead, something that will forever discriminate you. And it's a picture of just a person with ugly on their forehead. Mm. And then um, body, this is age 14, body dysmorphia to me feels like being locked in a cage As cliche as that sounds, sometimes I feel superior, but my human form is keeping me down. There are lots of things I'll never be able to experience because of my body. Even worse, many people think that my aforementioned human form has to define me. I drew weapons around my cage. This is just a cage with two eyes that are looking sad Mm. with tears coming out of them because I feel like I'm being tortured for having any confidence. And my body is my punishment.
1: Wow. Yeah. So I use that Edgar. Yeah. Edgar, Edgar. Powerful Edgar. I use this all the time. And after I show this and I read that, I say to my audience, how dare you not honor them? How dare you not honor them? If you know that this is what they're going through, the pain is real. Edgar's not trying to get attention. He's not trying to, you know, get uh, freak anybody out. That is exactly how this kid feels, you know. And and that's a that that I use that. That's actually um, I co-authored a chapter in a a Springer medical book on um, creating a welcoming and caring environment for trans and non-binary patients. And they published that a couple of, of the pictures from the book. But that one is always powerful
0: because it has weapons outside the cage with blood
1: and you'll see you'll see in volume two volume three a lot of the 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 artists when they're when they're drawing about what does it feel like to be misgendered they use knives too they use knives in their hearts.
0: yes yes yeah there are other pictures like that i mean here you know you you talk about Going into the hospital and sitting with somebody who is suicidal, um, all of this pain, I have to say that it takes so much courage to be with someone in pain. I know that yeah. um, having watched mm-hmm. my surviving son go back to school. And and that's just in, in, in this situation where everybody knew that his brother had been murdered, yeah. including the adults. No one said anything to him. Okay. No one from seventh First to twelfth grade said, How are you doing? Because they were afraid. And this is what they said that they might remind him or that he might say he wasn't doing okay. Um, so no one ever talked to him about it. And and I'm talking about just in that situation where everything was out in the open. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, nobody was hiding anything. It was um a murder that was, you know, national news. Yeah and there was so much fear around it and i'm just saying the the amount of courage in these kids for one but mm-hmm. also the courage that it takes i don't know be be with these kids that are in pain i mean we, we have to acknowledge that as well. The courage that you had to go in there was hard for you, especially considering, you know, you had been there yourself and you had to take a deep yeah, breath. Yeah. What can we do, Tony? How can we help? I mean, I, I, I wanted to have you on this podcast so we could talk about it and and yeah. start to, you know, you've already started this healing process. I just want to be a part of it.
1: Yeah, so I, I, you know, when when I'm asked that question, I'm asked that question a lot. You know, what can we do to help? You know, listen, gender identity and sexual orientation are not going away. (laughs) Everybody has a gender identity in this world of some some type, uh, but only the trans and non-binary communities are asked. You know, how how can you know that? Educate yourself. Talk about it. You know, um, transgender and non-binary people are human beings. Um, We're not asking for anything more than anybody else has. we're just asking for the rights like every other human has. Right. But as far as like young kids, if if you, if you know of somebody who's trans and non-binary and you know, they're struggling, reach out to them. Just like, you know, you were just talking about, you know, your surviving son. Sometimes people get so wrapped in, you know, Oh, Oh shit. Like, what am I supposed to say? If, 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 if they, if they come back with, I'm not okay. I'm I'm not doing well. How am I going to yeah. help them? I'm telling you right now, if you're a compassionate person enough to ask the questions, you will be able to handle the answer. Yes, <laughs> I am telling you. Being and they're the not moment. looking
0: for someone to to
1: fix them. <laughs> that no. just just to no. be present,
0: no. just to be present and ask the question.
1: And and believe the answer. When a, when you ask a child, what, how can I help you? I say this when I'm training schools all the time. Well, what am I supposed to do? I ask them if they're okay, and they say, they yeah, and then they walk away. Well, what, what are you attached to? Are you attached to the outcome of that question? Apparently, you are. Because if you weren't attached to the outcome of the question, how are you? Can I help you? Then you wouldn't care what the answer was. You're trying to build trust. There is no way that a kid that's in pain is going to open up to somebody they don't even know. They don't even do it with me. They, I have to earn their trust.
0: And they're also not going to open up to, hey, how are you? Because that yeah. is a rhetorical question, isn't it? I mean, if I yeah. asked you that, yeah. Tony, hey, how are you doing today? You'd say, I'm good. How are you? Because you don't really think yeah. that I care. You know, you just yeah. think yeah. that I'm saying hello. Yeah. But if I said, no, 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 Tony, how are you? If I said it twice, you know, if I if I reiterated, yeah. you would say, oh, Wait a minute she actually is asking me how I'm doing and she seems to care. So then it's on you. do you want to share? Yeah actually I'm not doing that well today. I'm, I'm having a hard day or do you want to say you know what? I choose not to get into it right now. I'm no I am good, but I know that she had the courage to to be with me if I said that I wasn't okay
1: yeah. Yeah, like I said, like, and you're absolutely right. When, when when you know that a child is struggling and you ask them, you know, hey, what's going on? You all right? You know, like with that caring, because there's energy involved in that question, too. That's right. You know, that we I probably can't. Yeah, right. So there's energy, you know, when somebody's just saying, hey, how you doing? And then, hey, yes. how you doing? Um, And the and the student says, I'm fine. The, your Your answer to them say should be cool. But listen, if you ever need me, I'm yeah. here for you. Smile and walk away. Smile and walk away smiles are amazing Mm. smiles are free they don't cut into anybody's budget Mm -hmm. so I want to hear Mm -hmm. it and it's contagious like just like kindness kindness is contagious you know so so always say to them okay but if you ever need me I'm here for you and mean it because here's a here's the reality and 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 this is the truth I always speak the truth there are people in education there are people in healthcare, that that wouldn't be a true statement I'm here for you if you ever need me because they're not they don't want to be so only offer that if you're available.
0: Yeah, if it's the Before. truth. And the other thing is, is what my mom always says: look the person in the eye, because you're not mm. really making a connection unless you do that. Yeah. And look, when you look at somebody in the eyes, you are present. How often are we actually yeah. present with one another? And if you're not <laughs> present, it, you
1: you're you're not showing that you care. And in order to be truly kind. You have to be present. You can't be talking to a student and thinking about, oh my God, I haven't even eaten lunch yet. You know what I mean? Like you have to be present and yeah, that's so um... I have to
0: get to my next appointment. I only have 30 seconds. God, I hope they're not going to yeah. start talking now because I've got to go. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's funny because when I first started my um, teaching certification for mindfulness, uh, Aaron Seraf, who was the instructor said to the class, I want you to, do me a favor for the next week, be mindful of how much you're not mindful. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to be honest with you, 95 to nine, probably a hundred percent of the time I was either thinking of something I did or thinking of something Mm -hmm. I had to do. My brain was always back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. So, you know, mindfulness. um, I believe that we, when we, you mentioned you study it too, like you try to practice it. It's not easy (laughs) to be mindful but once you practice it it gets easier
0: and and i think in mindfulness the most important thing to me is being in the present moment because that's where life is happening that's where you have this precious moment with another human being and and you get yeah. to share that moment and i always say that that's that's kindness squared it's one thing to be kind but it's another thing to really care to really yeah. care and that means being in the present moment, sharing that space with another human being—that is precious. <laughs> that's an yeah. that's a precious. No, it is. It is.
1: It is, a, it is a very big gift. And what I what I say to a lot of the the uh, kids that I work with when they're struggling with anxiety, because a lot of people, you know, I do, and so do they. But anyway, um, that being in the moment is a place where there's no stress, because typically stress comes from something that happened to you in the past and you're bringing up that thought. So that thought is bringing up the old emotion and then that's causing stress or you're thinking about what might happen. So the assumption of life is sometimes very, very stressful. So if you bring yourself into the moment and say, I am here at this moment, I am safe that that anxiety really, really minimizes. And if it doesn't minimize, then accept it. You know, I, I struggle with anxiety. Uh, it's getting better, but sometimes it's pretty horrific. Um, But now I just say, okay, cool. I'm having an anxiety attack. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like I don't try to fight it. And sometimes my anxiety will last a whole day, but I'm having it. Okay. I just have to keep reminding myself that I'm going to survive it. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And you know, anxiety is something that a lot of people suffer from half of American youth have anxiety and the average onset yep. age is six years old and I 70% I of, it. of kids don't get professional help, so they suffer alone. And a lot of what we see in schools, homes and communities can be attributed to anxiety. Yep. So I think sad. that, you know, bottom line. I've been taking notes and I want to have a, another podcast with you. I know that we have an event coming up um, that yes. uh, probably by Excited. the time we edit this podcast and get it out, <laughs> it's going to be after the event because we're <laughs> so backed up. But I, I think is the bottom line, like I, I know, you know, if we met on the street, you would say you just look at me and you go, hey, Scarlett, and you would be like, okay female, you know, all these things would just gel together right then. And I would know that you saw me for who I am and you acknowledged yeah. me. A- a- acknowledgement, like acknowledgement.
1: Yeah. It's a, it's a huge a deal. deal. We,
0: we, we have to be acknowledged it, yeah. at, at, for who we are. And so to think about yeah. these, these kids, uh, even you at, at at 39 that never really acknowledged for who you truly were, I can't imagine living like that.
1: And you know, something else that the audience should be very mindful of is that gender identity uh, pronouns—they're—they're they're invisible. You can't go by somebody's exterior to know what they how they identify. You know, so never assume that. You know, you—that's why I always, no matter what I start um, on my Zoom call, my my pronouns are in parentheses. But any group that I start, I always ask people, you know, uh, what's what what's your name? Pronoun. And pronoun. Yeah, you because know, you could be walking down the street and seeing somebody that might look male, but they might, they might identify as female or non-binary.
0: It is. There's a lot to, the to learn, right? And and, and <laughs> let's do that other podcast yeah. because I, I want to learn and I wanna be part of the solution. Thank you so much for sharing with us. And, um, I look forward to our event and I look forward to working with you going forward and being part of the solution yeah. and choosing love <laughs> for everyone. And, uh, just thank yes. you so much for everything that you do for who you are, for, for, you know, what the, the love that you brought into this world and that you give, I'm just so appreciative of you.
1: Oh my, it's my honor. And,
0: and, and right back. At Thanks you Tony. And uh, <laughs> thank you all. Thanks uh, to our okay. choose love audience for listening in. And we will see you next time.
1: It's all part of us. We can all choose love. It'll lift you up. If you let it in, let,